Hello and welcome to the Machinery Safety Matters podcast with your host, Barry Shepherd. Today, I want to discuss how to approach risk assessments for machinery safety. The process itself is quite repetitive and it may take several successive iterations before you can get to a point where you've reduced the risk low enough to a point that you feel that it's acceptable. What this level looks like is going to be based on your own attitude to risk. When performing the risk assessment process, it is necessary to take account of four factors in the following order of preference. Now, the first thing you have to think about is the safety of the operators whilst they are interacting with the machine. And this is for its whole life cycle. The second thing to think about is how effective that machine carries out its tasks. The third thing to think about is how reliable that the machine carries out its designated tasks. And then the last thing you need to think about are the costs associated with operating and decommissioning of that asset. Risk assessments need not to be feared, but something to embrace. They can give clarity, they can give direction, and they can give guidance to those who need it. If the process of carrying out risk assessments creates a situation of fear or challenge or confusion is because you end up with too many subjective opinions that haven't been adequately processed or dealt with. As I've mentioned, risk assessments are a continual process and they should always be open to challenge. Technology always improves and what used to be a very expensive solution can sometimes be a very cost-effective solution. So if you think about safety PLCs when they first came out, they were quite frowned upon as they were very expensive and not very reliable or very safe. Now you will find them in almost any machine and lots of different applications. If you think about the idea of a light curtain and how that might have worked and what you'd need to put in place in the 1970s, Now it's even possible to buy something off the shelf that's already a ready-made component and that massively simplifies the process. There are, of course, installation considerations to to address. I'll be doing a podcast on light curtains later on. Have a look out for that one. So how do we approach risk assessments? The very first thing that we must do is get a feel for the machine. We need to understand how high it is how long it is, how wide it is. Think about the noise, how loud it is, how fast the machine runs. Think about the forces that are in use whilst it's been in operation to carry out its process. Think about how it works. Think about what it does. How did you start it? Think about how you need to stop it. You need to consider where the controls are, how to isolate it. Think about where you're going to position the machine. Think about how you're going to maintain it. Does it need any signs to help the users? Do I need to be warned about anything on it that might still be hazardous? Once you've collated all this information, this is what's known as determining the limits of the machinery. This information is absolutely critical, it's absolutely essential and it will serve you later on. Once you have this information, you can get a much better appreciation and understanding of what is going on. It will help you make quicker and better decisions 
And what this does is it removes a layer of mystery of what's really going on. Once everybody can agree and understand of these limits, you get a much more inclusive process and you get a greater buy-in, which means a more practicable solution ends up being engineered and put in place. Very commonly, the first stage of understanding and determining the limits of the machines is often overlooked. Often, there are major difficulties dealing with conflicting ideas of how the machine works and coming up with a solution to meet the problem. This is why it becomes very difficult to find the right solution in a timely manner. People get stressed, the ideas get thrown out and ignored, and the issue becomes very stressful. This is why it is absolutely essential to take the time to understand the limits of the machine and have some baseline data to work from. It will more than pay you back in the long run. After you've determined the limits of the machinery, the next part of the process is to identify the hazards. At this point, we are only interested in the potential to cause harm. There are some really good descriptions of how to identify hazards in the ISO 12100 in Annex B, Parts B1 and B2. A hazard is an inherent feature of a machine, whether anyone can get access to it or not. When identifying hazards, look for movements on the machine or features that could be described using the following words. So think about shearing, think about crushing, entanglement, nips, traps, drawing in, even electric shock. Once we've identified the hazards, we then need to estimate the risk level. And before we do that, there's two things that we have to know. There are two essential elements for a risk assessment. And those are the severity of injury and the likelihood of occurrence resulting in an injury. That's the two minimums that you must have. In my experience of carrying out risk assessments on machinery, I've always used four individual elements. And these are, the first thing is the number of people that the hazard could affect. This could range from one to two for a very small machine or area with low personnel to over 50 for a simultaneous event that could create harm or injuries. Large numbers could be related to the escape of hazardous chemicals, for example. Then once I've understood that, I look at the frequency of exposure. And that can be influenced by how often an operator will need to interact with a machine. The information that you will need here is accident data, breakdown and failure rates. How the machine compares to others that perform the same kind of function. If the machine has a workstation, then there is a constant risk. But if the machine is only visited periodically for scheduled maintenance and exceptional repairs, then it may be more appropriate to choose something less frequent. But you have to consider all modes of operation. So it's not just operated modes, it's maintenance as well, and any other types of interaction that are required for the whole life cycle of that machine. Then you need to think about the likelihood of occurrence, which is a third element that I always consider. This is the most subjective of all the elements that cannot be backed up with any data. And this will prompt the greatest discussions within your risk assessment team. There are lots of things to consider when deciding how to estimate this risk, from how skilled the operators are, the speed of the machine, and how quickly a situation could arise the type of training that the operators have received as part of their duties, 
Don't forget the human factors, especially in a stressful environment when the production may be at a peak time of year or there may be staff shortages. Think about the physical size of the machine. Think about where operators need to access, reach or lean into a part of the machine. Think about the environments where other people may distract one another. Think about shift changes where persons may have to have a handover and a chat. Whether the company culture has a shift working pattern that could create fatigue, where recovery rates might not be as quick as some people who are much younger than some. There are lots and lots of things to throw into this part of the estimation, but make sure you discuss them all and you come up with a, an answer that is agreeable by all. Then the last part of the risk assessment elements that I always look at are the consequence of coming into contact with a hazard. This takes in a range of possibilities from a scratch or bruise to a broken bone and up to including fatalities. There is some really good guidance in RIDOR about the types of injuries that are recognised as serious. I'll be covering that in a future episode. In my experience, if the result of the injury is less than three days absence from work, then it could be classed as a slight injury. If time is needed away from the place of employment, then it's becoming a more serious injury or even worse. This is only a guide and you're free to choose how you score this element. Some parts of the risk assessment process are easier to estimate than others. Again, this is down to your own attitude to risk. Now that you've estimated all those risks, you need to evaluate those risks. So when you have a score for each of those individual elements, you now need to think about how you're going to make sense of them all. Once you have those individual numbers, it's up to you how you want to process or manage those numbers. You could simply add them together, you could multiply them all together, or you could have some complex formula to determine what it all means. The level of risk that comes out from scoring the elements will provide you with an evaluation. Once you've determined how you're going to process those numbers to give you some kind of sensible outputs, then that will be the evaluation. And what you're looking for here is something that says low risk, medium risk or high risk. And it's up to you how you manage those risk evaluations. So for a low risk, you may decide to take no further action as the risk is adequately low enough. If your evaluation comes out as a medium risk, then you may decide that the design we need some minor tweaks or some signage or some extra training. Or if it's a high risk, you may need to think about redesigning the solution and come up with something completely different. If you don't redesign something that's a high risk, which will cause serious harm or injury, how you determine the score sits in relation to your level risk or your risk profile. How you manage those numbers is entirely up to you and this should reflect your company's attitude to risk. When you apply the same approach to different machines, you should be able to determine which hazards cause the highest level of risk to the lowest level of risk. It doesn't matter what the machines are or what the hazards are, as long as they are comfortable with your risk profile and your approach, and you can then rely on something you can trust and stand by. It does not mean that because your levels between low, medium and high are different to another company's risk profile, that one is more right than the other. It just means that you have an objective starting point and are able to explain your attitude to risk without it being based on an opinion or subjective view. 
Now that you've got an evaluation of those risks, you need to think about reducing those risks, especially if they're medium or high. There are various different desires to reducing the risks around machinery safety. I'll cover those in a later episode. Look out how to apply the hierarchy of controls. One recognised way of designing risks out is a three-step method, as mentioned in the Machinery Directive and the Supply of Machinery Regulations, and these are broken down into three priorities. The first priority is to eliminate or reduce the risk as far as is reasonably practicable, and you do this by designing the machine to be inherently safe. If you can do this, then you're adopting a prevention is better than cure type of approach and will save you time, energy and money in the long run. I've been involved with machines in the past that have been redesigned to remove the need for an operator to work at height. And this is achieved by repositioning the parts of the machine on the ground level. And this is instead of mounting them at height. So by doing this, the fall from height hazard has been completely eliminated. This is always the best result we can hope for. And you should always strive to design out your hazards with elimination in mind, or at the very least think about reducing the effect of the hazards. If the function of the machine requires the use of potentially dangerous elements that must still exist, then you must consider the second priority and apply safeguards. Now these could be fixed guards, they could be interlocking guards, light guards, pressure mats, it could be protection by distance, it could be insulation of live electrical parts or noise reduction measures. Whatever it takes to reduce the risk down to an acceptable level in accordance with your risk profile is what you must do. Now the very last thing to consider is the third priority. The last thing to think about is the third priority where the risk cannot be reduced to a low enough level. At this stage, all you can do is place signage and provide instructions and training and do as much as you possibly can to inform the users of the inherent risks of that machine if misuse could cause an issue. When you get to the end of this cycle, you should have an objective risk assessment that will have quantifiable elements that can be agreed upon by group collective It is always best to get as much input as you can from as many different functions and sources who are going to be interacting with the machine. So think about people who are going to be servicing it, people who are going to be cleaning it, repairing, adjusting, maintaining it, operating and running the machine. No one person can appreciate all of the requirements of all of the interactions to be able to input a fully balanced risk assessment when designing that machine. Like I said at the beginning of this podcast, the process may take a few cycles to really fully answer everything that's been identified. The solution should also be clear and the information contained within the risk assessment should be supported by an act, a directive, a regulation, a standard, a table or a calculation. At this point, it's important to re-risk assess the hazard to sense check that the measures that are being proposed adequately reduce the risk down to an acceptable level. If the level of risk is still not low enough, then another solution must be found until all reasonable practicable ideas have been explored. By the very nature of having a group of people assess a hazard, it removes the subjectivity from the issue. 
By the very nature of having a group of people assess a hazard, it removes the subjectivity from the issue. The end result ends up being something that's objective and quantifiable, rather than subjective and based on loose opinions. In summary, when carrying out risk assessments, you must think about the four things, and they are the safety of the machine, the reliability of the machine, how effective the machine is, and the last thing, the costs associated with the machine. Then I discuss the four things that you need to consider when carrying out a risk assessment. And those four elements were the number of people, the frequency of exposure, the likelihood of occurrence. Remember, this could be the point that causes the most discussion. And then the fourth thing was a consequence of the hazard. It's the evaluation that drives the next step from low, medium or high risk. So remember that machinery risk assessments must be embraced so that you can get the best that you can out of the process. It needs to be repeatable. It needs to be based on facts and not a subjective opinion. A risk assessment must at least be based on some quantifiable facts and evidence. Thanks for listening to me. And if you know of anyone who would benefit from what I have just discussed, then please do share it. Also, if you have anything you would like to hear me discuss in an upcoming podcast, drop me a line in the usual social media channels. Also check the show notes for important resources and links. If you liked it, then please hit that subscribe button. This helps make the show grow to reach more and get more people talking about machinery safety. So when machinery safety matters, remember the Machinery Safety Matters podcast. Until next time, bye for now.